praying for yourself is easy because you know exactly who you are, right? Praying for other people can be a little bit uh, limiting because you don't know where they are, right? You don't know where they are in their faith. You don't know where they are in their desire. You don't, you know, you may not know everything that you need to know in praying for other people. So uh, in situations like that, uh, oftentimes we uh, wait on the Lord to get some insight. Lord, what, what should we do, right? And uh, and so, and the approach that I've always taken is if the Lord doesn't give me anything specific, then I pray, you know, for 100% recovery, right? If, if I don't know of anything in particular to do, uh, you know, and there's been, you know, there's been twice, uh, and, you know, I've prayed for a lot of people, but there's been twice the Lord said, this person is not going to, is not going to, to live. Uh, and so there's, you know, there's really no point in praying, you know, you do whatever you do, you know, sometimes if people are watching, you know, but, uh, but you know, it's not going to be helpful, and and um, uh, and so and Brother Randy actually spent a lot of time talking about his friend, uh, a minister friend of his many years ago that uh, uh, that died of cancer, and uh, they were really close and traveled together and different things, and um, uh, he had fallen unconscious at the hospital, and um, um, you know of course all the families gathered together and. Um, you know, they're believing God for a complete turnaround, but the Lord showed him that, that the, the other minister has already decided he wants to go home. Well, if he wants to go home, you know, you can pray all day long, right? If, uh, when I say go home, go home to be with the Lord, right? To, to die on this earth. And um, uh, you can pray all day long and uh, do whatever you want to. It's not going to, you can't override somebody's will. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, and that, that can be the difficult thing in praying for other people because a lot of times people's faith is uh, harmed because they're praying for somebody and that somebody doesn't live. Well, you know, you've got to be careful that you don't know, right? You don't know their heart. You don't know their mind. You don't know their faith. You don't know what their desires are. Um, and so, uh, and, and many times it's kind of none of our business, right? A lot of times they're working this deal out between them and the Lord. I want to come home. And so... That's well, that's none of our business if they want to go home or not. But, uh, you know, in fact, some of the family members were upset, almost kind of uh, upset at Brother Randy because he told them what the Lord told them. And they kind of get upset at him. Why are you upset at me? You know, this is between them and the Lord, right? It's not got anything to do with me. I'm just a messenger here. Uh, but a lot of times, uh, even the sick person, if they sense that people don't want them to go, you know, they will try to hang on as best they can. A lot of times hang on longer than they should, right? I mean, if they're, if they're not going to get better, then let them go home, right? And so, you know, there's a lot of things like that. Uh, but in a case like with, with Jimmy and uh, um, Jerry, you know, Jimmy's not a, he's not old man at all, right? He's, he, he's uh, exactly the same age as Jerry, actually, right? <laughs> and, so, um, uh, and so, I don't know actually who was born first, though, so I'll have to ask Jerry which one was born first. Um, but, um, you know, it, it wasn't his time to go. And, and so, uh, and, and uh, of course, a lot of people in the church say, well, you just never know. I think you can know. I think you should know. I think you have a right to know, you know. In fact, that pastor, um, uh, he was a pastor friend of Brother Randy's. He said a year before, he was talking to his wife later on, he said a year before he died, he told his, his mother, you know, I want, uh, or told his wife, I want Brother Randy to do my, my funeral. Like, that's a really random thing, you know, if I just said, hey, you know, I want Brother Randy to do my funeral. I was like, well, are you planning on having one pretty soon, you know? And so, um, <clears throat> well, that was a year, and then, a, you know, like a few days before he died, 
he started seeing angels. And, and oftentimes, people, if they have a good relationship with the Lord, uh, as they get closer to the Lord, they start seeing into the spirit realm. You know, many times they'll see angels. They'll see, you know, they'll see the lights of heaven. Um, and, um, and so, uh, but if you don't know, if the Lord doesn't give you any other information, then you pray 100%. Lord, 100% recovery, 100% uh, healing. Amen. Uh, and, then, and then you leave the rest of it in the Lord. Uh, for you and me, if you're praying for yourself, you always pray 100%, right? You don't go, I wonder if I want to go home or not. You should know, right? I mean, I think it's, uh, of course, you know, Paul, I remember, and we talked about that earlier in the Philippians about, you know, he said that he was in a straight between two choices, right? To stay or go. And so, uh, you know, if you, if you read that in the right context, you understand that Paul had a choice to stay in the earthly body or to go to heaven. He wasn't a victim. He wasn't being killed or martyred. I mean, he, he eventually was martyred, but it was his choice if, if he decided to, because uh, later on he says, I've, I've finished my course, I've run my race. Uh, and so, uh, so he was ready to go, right? Peter said the same thing, you know, that he had finished his course and, and uh, it was time for him to go. And Jesus, of course, said the same thing, right? And, and um, he said that uh, I, I, I lay my body down, I pick it up. He said, this commandment have I received from my father. So, you know, in the, in the Christian world, as a, as a child of God, I believe you have a right and a privilege from the Lord to decide when you go. Now, you know, as, as you get closer to the limit that the Lord has placed on mankind, which, you know, to me it appears to be 120, although some people have said there's not a limit, but um, there's, there's never been a, a recorded instance of a human being living longer than 120 years in recorded history, right, as far as after we got past the flood and, and things settled down, right? Um, and so... And surely not in, in uh, recent recorded history. There's no, uh, you know, you hear, you hear rumors, but then they find out they, they lied or something, you know, or nobody really knows. And so, but anyway, so, um, you know, there is a limit. The Lord never promised we'd live on this earth forever, but I think you get to choose the, the day and the hour that you leave. Amen. Or you have a right to, you know. Um, and so um, I'm planning on setting a date, you know, I don't have a date set, don't have a plan, plan to set a date anytime soon, right, That'd be, I'm, I think it's far out in the, in the future, but when it gets there, you know, I think the Lord will start saying, well, you finished your course, you know, it's time to come on home, uh, he told Moses, you know, go up on the mountain and die, uh, and, you know, that's what I want the Lord to tell me, right, uh, when it's time, I want him to tell me, come on home, and, and then that would be the ideal, right? I think that'd be, that's way better than suffering and, right, and, and, and having diminished capacity and, and all of those things, amen? And so, so we, we'd encourage you, you know, pray for, uh, for Jerry's brother Jimmy uh, and um, um, for full and complete recovery, right? Make sure that there's no uh, lasting damages. And, you know, even though this has been a short, just a few days, uh, you know, all that sedation, it takes a while to recover from that. And the intubation, right, uh, you know, that uh, getting your voice back and all of those things. So there's just natural recovery that has to happen uh, between now and then. So, uh, but let's pray and we'll get into the word tonight. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the blessings of heaven, Father, for being good to us. We thank you, Father, for the word of God and the spirit of God who gives us insight and revelation into your word. We thank you for these things, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 2. We'll continue there today. So we, were, uh, we had looked at um, a few examples that Paul had left us. He started with himself. Then he went to, um, uh, he went to Timothy. And then he, uh, he got to uh, Epaphroditus. 
and that's kind of where we got to uh, last week was talking about Epaphroditus. So, uh, and we talked a little bit about these things, uh, how uh, that he was sick uh, and uh, that God had mercy on him, right? And, uh, and on Paul, but God had, in verse 27, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. And so the mercy that the Lord had to extend to Epaphroditus, you know, mercy is there for, uh, for the guilty, right? Uh, and so uh, for Paul's sake, since, um, you know, mercy is a sovereign act. And, and that's one of the things that's, it's, it's, you know, it almost sounds like a contradiction that, uh, about mercy. And uh, maybe um, we won't spend too much uh, time on, on, on it. But one, one of the things you've got to understand about mercy. Uh, mercy is God's choice to overlook the guilt of your life, right? And so he can extend mercy and say, I choose to, uh, to um, forgive you of this sin as a sovereign act, even if you, know, even if you don't ask for it. Remember in the Gospels, uh, the man born by four in Luke chapter five, uh, Jesus said, son, thy sins are forgiven. Well, the man never asked for, for forgiveness, did he? He didn't ask for forgiveness. So that was a sovereign act. That was an act of mercy on the Lord's part, right? Now, if you, if you ask the Lord uh, for forgiveness, well, that's an act of faith, right? Because he gave us his word that says, if you, if you uh, confess your sins, he is faithful and just to, uh, uh, to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So, uh, but mercy, you know, mercy is what's helpful when uh, you choose not to walk in faith, right? Now, of course, none of us have ever done that, right? All of us are perfect Christians and perfectly mature and uh, never do anything wrong, right? So we'll, we'll just talk about all the other people besides us, right? But, uh, you know, in a Christian's life, um, when you sin and you get out of the will of God, you really get into an area of mercy, right? And so mercy can be extended, right? He can protect you even if you're in sin. He can watch over you and guard you and protect you, keep you alive long enough to repent, right? And so when you get out of the will of God, you're often in the area of mercy. Uh, so you're, you know, when you're in the will of God, you're in the area of grace. So grace will protect you because you're in the will of God, right? Grace will strengthen you because you're doing God's plan for your life. Uh, when you choose as an act of your will to get out of the will of God, then you're in the area of mercy until you get back, right? Until you choose to get back. And so, uh, of course, you can get back anytime you want to, amen? And that, uh, that seems to be, and, and I've been kind of, uh, mulling over my heart about uh, doing some teaching in this area because the whole area, and, we, and we've talked about some of these things about sin and things in the church, but there's a real, uh, there's real confusion in the church about grace and mercy and, and forgiveness and those things. And to me, it's the simplest thing in the world, right? It's, these things are not hard to understand. You know, the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that, that Jesus uh, suffered death by grace. So, uh, and of course, we know for by grace you save through faith and not, not of yourselves. But, uh, but uh, and, and if you go through the, the different discussions about grace, what you find is, remember uh, the Lord told Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that my grace is sufficient for you, right? Because Paul had been asking to get this thorn out of his flesh. Well, the grace that was there was to, to empower him to press into the will of God, stay in the will of God, uh, and to overcome all the situations in his life. That, that the grace is God's empowering in your life to give you the ability to do his will. But a lot of the church thinks that grace is there so that you can sin. That, you know, well, when I sin, 
God's grace is there. That's, that's, not, that's completely wrong. That's completely wrong doctrine. You know, there, uh, there is a scripture that says that where, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound in the book of Romans. But that's talking about when there's sin around you, the grace of God on your life gives you the ability to stay the course and not, not succumb to their sin, right? Not join in with their sin. That you can stay the course and not enjoy their sin, not participate in their sin. Now, and the purpose of grace is to keep you in the plan of God, in the will of God. You, you, if you live in grace, you live in God's power. Uh, you know, Jesus suffered death by grace, right? He went to the throne, he went to the cross by grace. The God's empowering ability in him to suffer, to be, a, to be ridiculed, right? To be beaten, to, to, to stand, to stay on the cross the exact right amount of time to leave the cross when he chose to leave, right? He did that by grace. No mercy because he was in the perfect will of God. Uh, and so uh, to me, that's really simple, right? Grace is there to do the will of God. When you get out of the will of God in sin, and, and all sin is missing the mark, right? The, the, de- the definition of sin means to miss the mark. So you miss the mark that God sets, right? He sets the mark. He sets the plan either directly in his word or by his spirit. He may tell you, this is what I want you to do. There's no book, chapter, and verse for that. If he says, I want you to go to Africa, well, any book, chapter, and verse says go to Africa? No book, chapter, and verse says for you to go to Africa. It says go into all the world, right? But, you know, uh, Australia is the world, right? You know, I want to do everything in Australia. Hawaii is the world, right? God sent me to Hawaii. Uh, and so a friend of mine said they're doing mission work in the Bahamas. I'm like, wow, that sounds really hard. <laughs> you know, I got, uh, but um, uh, so that's fine. If the Lord called me, that's fine, right? Uh, and so, uh, but you stay, you stay in the will of God uh, by doing his word and doing his spirit. And if you choose to step out of side of the, those bounds, you're no longer in grace, you're in mercy. And, and, you know, it's not, you know, you lose 100% grace. It's not that you've fallen from grace. It's just that you're on the, the grounds of mercy. And, and is God merciful? He is. So, so will he protect you and watch over you in the, in the time of mercy? I believe he will, his mercy. But the thing about mercy is it's sovereign, right? God can choose to extend it as long as he wants to, and he can cut it off whenever he wants to, because that's the whole intent of mercy. It's, it's God in his sovereign will going, I'm going to choose to protect him in this time, of, uh, in this time right? Uh, and, uh, you know, just, just like... Uh, uh, Anybody ever bought a new car, right, or bought another car, or they bought a new car, another car, you know, from the time that, that you buy it until, uh, until the time that you show your insurance agent that, uh, that you've got it, you're on their mercy, right? They'll say, well, we've we got you covered. If you've got a good insurance, we've we, we got you covered. You haven't signed anything yet, but it's just their mercy, right? We've chosen to do that. Now, they could just as le- well legally say, you know, we're not going to cover that. They would be legally allowed to do that, right, because you haven't signed anything yet. But, you know, if you've got a good insurance agent, and, and I've got a good insurance I just call him and say, hey, got a new car? Okay, no problem. Uh, he used to, you had to drive it over there and let him see, make sure it was real, right? Make sure, you know, you didn't come up the second day and go, wow, it, it exploded. I don't know what happened, even though you, you bought it that way, but you didn't tell him that, right? And so, uh, so if you have a good relationship with your, with your insurance agent, you know, they, just, they don't even care. They, they trust you, you know, just whatever, and so it's fine. What's the VIN number? That's all they care about, right? And they look it up and... Of course, nowadays they can find everything that they want about the, the car for the VIN numbers. But so, so mercy, the purpose of mercy is to keep you alive long enough until you get back in grace, amen, and you get back in grace by forgiveness. Now, I, I don't know why that's so hard. For the Wars are fought in the church over this doctrine, right? Just, I mean, 
huge wars, wars going, on, going on right now in the church about, you know, this extreme grace. You live however you want to, grace of God will cover you. No, no, it's not. That's the second you get, in the, uh, get in the, out of the will of God, you're no longer in the fullness of his grace. You're in the fullness of his mercy. Uh, and get back in grace. Because in grace, you can't be defeated, right? You can't be overcome. You can't fail. You, you have the complete and total victory. In mercy, you got bread and water. I mean, you know, you know you're going to have, you're going to be alive, but you don't have the fullness of God's blessing there. Amen. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and the thing is, how long will that mercy be extended? You don't know. Because there's no, there, there's no, uh, there's no promise in his word that says, I will extend mercy uh, in your sin forever. Right? There's no promise like that. You know, we know his mercies are new every morning, right? Uh, but what if you only make it to three o'clock in the afternoon, right? Uh, and so uh, I, I, I don't really know why. Well, I mean, I, I kind of know why because people always want to live however they want to, right? They're trying to find a loophole in the word of God to I want to live however I want to and sin however I want to and God's going to overlook it. That's not true. Uh, and, uh, and really... You know, I'd have to question somebody's heart. You know, now I'm not their judge, but if you tell me I'm trying to sin as much as I want to, are you saved? I mean, are you, do you know the Lord Jesus? Have you met him? Because he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? Uh, and are you, if you're trying to not keep his commandments, then do you love the Lord? And if you don't love the Lord, are you saved? I mean, I'm, a, I'm nobody's judge, but if that's your goal, is to sin as much as you can get away with, I mean... You know, fortunately, we live in the New Testament, right? So there's a lot of grace in the New, lot, a lot of grace in the New Testament, a lot of mercy in the New Testament, right? Amen. Uh, and uh, we're not subject to the curse of the law like they were in the Old Testament, right? Because have we been redeemed from the curse? Uh, we, I mean, Galatians three thirteen said that we've been redeemed from the curse, right? Uh, and of course, you know, every now and then we bring this out, right? In fact, since we're there, let's turn over to we're turn back to Galatians chapter three because this is really hard to get people to confess this, but it's the word, right? So uh, we love Galatians 3.13, right? Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Is that true? Well, why is it true? Because it says it right there, right? <laughs> That's kind of a Captain Obvious question, right? Why is it true? Because he said it, right? So have we been redeemed from the curse of the law, right? So, uh, so then the question is, so here's a good New Testament question. If you violate the law, right? Are you under the curse as a Christian? What's, what's that say? Christ hath what? Redeemed us from the curse of law. Who is under the curse of the law? Is the perfect Christian that's never doing anything wrong, are they ever under the curse? Who, who, who gets the curse of the law? Who got the curse of law in the Old Testament? Those who did wrong, right? I mean, the curse of the law is the summary of it, it's not the whole thing, but the summary of it is in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And at, and at the beginning of the chapter it says, if you do everything I tell you to do, you get all the blessings. If you don't do everything I tell you to do, you get all these curses. And so that's the curse of the law, right? If you don't do the law, you're under the curse. So Christ redeemed us from the curse of law. So who, who needed redemption? Was it the people who were perfect or the people who were not perfect? I mean, if you could live a perfect life and never sin, would you go to heaven? Well, sure you would, because as a child, right, you're alive unto God. If you died as a baby, you'd go to heaven. If you're five years old and hadn't sinned, you'd go to heaven. If you're 10 years old and never sinned, you'd go to heaven. I mean, you know, Jesus, didn't that how Jesus got to heaven, right? I mean, he, he never sinned. So it's technically possible, although it's, you know, uh, we know from the Word of God that says all have sinned. So although it's technically possible, 
it's practically impossible, right? Nobody will ever do it except for the Lord Jesus. And so, uh, so we got to go back then to uh, who needed to be redeemed from the curse. Was it the innocent ones or the guilty ones? The guilty ones, right? So is that, is that we all agree, right? No problems with that, right? We all, hundred, oh yeah, guilty, right? Redeemed for the guilty, right? Okay, so if you're guilty now, if you do something that causes you to be guilty, are you then under the curse? What's to say? We have been what? Redeemed from the curse. So the people that need to be redeemed are the guilty ones, right? The innocent don't need to be redeemed. The, the, so you are not under the curse if you commit a sin. So is it okay to sin? It's 100% not okay to commit a sin, right? Because you get out of grace, you get into mercy, and you live on the land of mercy, and, you know, you could die young. Remember the, the man in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that was sleeping with his father's wife, right, his stepmom, which is kind of gross, right? I mean, just think about, you know, well, how old was she, right? I mean, that's, you know, we don't, we don't even want to go there, right? You think, start thinking about that. Well, you know, what's the deal, right? And everybody knew about it. Nobody was doing anything about it. And Paul said, remember what he said? Paul said, that I have handed him, the man that was committing the sin, over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his spirit might be what? saved in the day of judgment. So Paul said that this man's life is going to come to an end so that he gets to go to heaven. And so it was an act of mercy on Paul's part, right? It was Paul, uh, if you read 2 Corinthians, you can, he says, with tears, I wrote this letter, right? So, you know, I, I, I hear people from the pulpit say, I hand him over to Satan for destruction of flesh. That'll show him. There's no mercy in that. There's no kindness. There's no love in that. It's, it's vengeance. But Paul wasn't, wasn't vengeful. He was, I want this man to make it to heaven. Now, you can't, can you, can you lose your salvation? We've gone through that, right? I mean, it's possible. It's very hard, right? Some people think it's very easy. It's not very easy. It's very hard to lose your salvation. And you've got to go through Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 10, 1 John chapter 5. You put the scriptures together. You realize that uh, it really takes a mature Christian to understand what they're doing before they can do it, right? Before they can understand, you know, first of all, are they mature Christians in the Word? Are they mature Christians in the, in the gifts of the Spirit? Do they know the powers of the world to come? You know, are they even, uh, do they know enough to set it aside, right? Because, you know, if you've got a two-year-old and say, you know, you're not my dad anymore, and you're like, shut up, go to your room. I mean, are, are you no longer their dad because they said that? No, why? Because they're stupid, right? They're, two, they're a two-year-old, they don't know nothing. So you don't, you, don't, you don't even listen to them, right? Shut up, go to your room. But, if, you know, but I knew a, I knew a grown woman we went to church with, she divorced her parents. Went to the court and said, I want to divorce my parents. Now, could she do that legally? She could, right? And it, it, I, was like, I mean, it's so dumb. I was like, wow, in the world, you know, I mean, but you got to really have a really bad relationship, right? But how, why could she do it and not a two-year-old? Because she knew enough to, to, to do it, right? She was mature enough to make that decision, right? As a Christian, you have to be mature enough to understand what are you giving up, right? Do you understand the ramifications of your decision? You know, most Christians don't really know because they, 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 they have not been well-versed in the Word of God. They have never been used in the powers of the world to come, right? The, the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, they don't know these things. They're just mad at God because God didn't give them a pink elephant or whatever they would as they wanted, you know, and so they're just mad at God. You know, I hate God. God's like, blah, 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 whatever, you know. I mean, you think any Christians ever said, I hate God? Sure, many Christians have said that, right? Does that mean they're all automatically on their way to hell? No, they're just baby Christians and they don't know any better. And they'll straighten up, right? 
so you know it's not an absolute you know salvation is not an absolute but it's pretty close i mean it's it's you know you should never be afraid of of you know i think i've lost my salvation nobody should ever fear that nobody would nobody could ever do that by accident but they'll tell you in fact you know i was i visited a psychiatric ward one time not as a patient but you know as a visitor uh and one of the fellows said oh you're a pastor yeah I, i've committed the unpardonable sin they tell you that a, a majority of people in, in psychiatric wards believe they've committed the unpardonable sin, right? Uh, and, and it's like, you're not even mature enough to, to know what that means uh, and to be able to do that. So, no, you've not committed the unpardonable sin. That's an easy thing, right? So it's not an absolute, but, you know, if you, if you decide as a Christian you're going to live in sin, your life on this earth could come to an end because Ephesians 4.27 says, don't give place to the devil, right? That's what... So Paul said that you have, that word place there means license. So when you choose to sin, you give a license to the devil to operate in your life. It's not a curse, it's you giving him a license, right? See, a curse is a legal right by the enemy of, of mankind. Say, oh, you said I have a legal right to come do something to you. Uh, in the New Testament, it's not a legal right for him to do that. You're signing him a piece of paper that says, I give you the right to do that. Uh, and, only to, and, and since you wrote it, you can revoke it anytime you want to by, by getting forgiveness. Uh, and, you know, we kind of just summarized all that thing up. To me, that's really simple. All that seems really simple, right? You're secure in your salvation, uh, and, and you start at 100%, and, and if you'll stay in the perfect will of God, you live at 100% with the Lord. And what you're going to start doing is if you, if you decide not to live in the perfect will of God, you start going down, not up, right? You don't start at zero, work your way up. You start at 100%, and at best, you start working your way down. And if you continue to work your way down long enough, you'll end up crossing a line somewhere and giving the devil opportunity in your life and you'll die on this earth early right before you should die and then you go but you'll go to heaven and some people are just sending everybody to hell i mean so many ministers sending every oh you messed up hell for you and hell for you and hell well, first of all i'm not your judge right if you tell me you've accepted the lord jesus then 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 i have to accept that as truth you know and unless the lord shows me otherwise uh, and uh, are you trying to sin I mean, if you're trying to sin, you need to evaluate your, your relationship with the Lord Jesus if you ever accepted him or not. But, you know, uh, 1 John 1, 9 wouldn't be necessary if we didn't commit a sin, right? And it's not just 1 John 1, 9. There's lots of scriptures in, in the New Testament talks about repenting, amen? Uh, and so I, I don't really know why we're off on all that stuff there, but, uh, but uh, we were, well, we were having some discussions with some ministers at lunchtime talking about some of these things because some of these things are going through the church right there's a lot of pressure in the church to water down the gospel so that we don't offend anybody you know you can't really offend somebody who loves the lord right if you say hey you should do the will of god well, okay, okay i'll do that if you love the lord that's an easy thing to say right but if you don't really love the lord and i say you know you should do what the word of god says well how dare you tell me what to do well, well okay well let's back up why don't you get saved first right and then you'll love the Lord, and then it'll be easy, right? Because, yeah, you know, I've never really had a struggle with, with uh, I, you know, I want to do what I want to do. I mean, I just, I told the Lord I would, I would serve him. Amen? Remember, you got to do two things to get saved, Romans, Romans 10, 9, and 10, right? Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and what? Confess him as what? As your Lord. What does the word Lord mean? chief in charge of your life right the one in charge and so if you say well because i had uh, you know i was praying for one fellow you know how you want to say oh yeah yeah i said well are you willing to to give your life up to the lord well you know i'll try well you're not qualified yet you know you just 
If you're going to try, that's not giving him, that's not confessing him as Lord. That's confessing him as maybe Lord. Let's confess him as, well, let me see what he wants me to do first, and then I'll decide if I want to do that or not. Well, that's not Lord. Lord is, hey, I want you to do this. Yes, sir. Hey, I need you to do this. Yes, sir. I, I need you to, to pray. Uh, yes, sir. I need you to stop doing that. Yes, sir. You know, you may pause a little bit on that second yes, sir, there, but you still, at the end of the day, it's, it's yes, sir. I'll be glad to do that. I'll be glad to stop doing that. That's, that's what a Lord is. Yeah, and I think we, we've not done a good job in the church of of giving people the correct expectation of what it means to get saved, right? Just, just accept him as your Savior, right? Because Savior is great. Lord is a little harder, right? But the, the, it literally says confess him as your Lord, right? Which means you're accepting, because really when you believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, that's the Savior part, right? That's the part that he was a substitution for you and did the work for you on the cross. And if he was raised from the dead, then he went to the cross. If he went to the cross, he shed his blood. If he shed his blood, then he was beaten on our behalf, right? So all of things are wrapped up in the work of the cross by, by believing that God raised Jesus from the dead. But accepting him as Lord is I choose to take my will the rest of my life and make it subject to his will all the days of my life. It's an act of my will. I choose to do it. Nobody made me do it. I choose to do it. And so that's a covenant. You've made it a covenant agreement with the Lord. And but I don't want to do that anymore. Well, you said you would. You know, you know why are you going back on it now? And I, and I understand, look, uh, things happen, right? People sin, people make mistakes, you know. People get mad, kick the dog or whatever. Uh, they get mad and burn the biscuits on purpose, you know. And, and, uh, uh, and, and in fact, uh, yeah, listen to one minister, he said, he said you know, uh, um, women should make uh, uh, biscuits for their men, you know, or, or suffer the consequences, something like that. It was, I don't know what to do with it, why biscuits, you know. But uh, anyway, so... Um, but is he our Lord? You know, if he's, if he's our Lord, then, then he's in charge of our life. And it should be easy to serve the Lord, right? We make it so hard, but the only, the only conflict that you ever have in your life is when your will doesn't line up with the will of God. That's the only conflict you have between you and the Lord is that pressure that comes. Because the, the, the only reason why there's pressure in, in a Christian's life is when their flesh wants to do something and the Spirit of God wants them to do something different and they cannot make up their mind which way they want to go. And they get under so much pressure. I want to do this, but I don't want to do that. And, they get, and that pressure will build, and people will get so mad. And you go, hey, how's it going? Shut up. I'm just, why are you so mad at me? I've done nothing wrong. Well, the reason why they're mad is because they're under pressure, right? The pressure comes because they know to do right, but their flesh doesn't want them to do right. And they can't make that decision to just to do right. Because once you get to where your will is like, yes, sir, easiest thing in the world. Nope, there's never any pressure. You know, if, you, if, if some sin is put in front of you and you start down that path and the Lord says, don't, don't do that, oh, yeah, no problem, Lord, you just go right over here. I mean, it's, you're just, it's really easy to just, to just not do whatever the Lord says. Because some things are kind of gray area, right? You know, it's, it's not always easy. You know, I mean, adultery, is that easy? That's easy, right? I mean, as far as, is that a sin or not a sin, right? That's an easy one. Stealing from the poor, pretty easy, right? But, uh, you know... Should you, you know, should you say something or not say something? Well, it depends on what you're saying, right? Uh, and why are you saying it? I remember we talked about the, the two on Sunday morning. We talked about in Matthew chapter 5, it says, let your good works be seen, be seen before men that God may be glorified. And, but Matthew chapter 6 says, don't be doing those things before men uh, because you're, you're trying to get the glory of men. So, but, uh, but two people could be doing the exact same thing. One person could be doing it out of the will of God to obtain the glory of men. One person could be doing it in the will of God to give glory to God. It's the exact same thing, exact same event, 
exact same work, two different people. And so how do you know? You can't judge from the outside. You can't judge by the thing, right? If they're, if they're serving soup to, to the poor, could you serve soup in the will of God and, and give God the glory? Sure. Could you serve soup in pride and say, we serve the best soup in town. All you people out there, you're not even serving soup. You're so losers, right? You're a bunch of soup losers. And, and, you know, you could get in pride over serving soup, right? And is pride a sin? Well, sure it is. And so, uh, you know, th- this, is, this is really not a hard doctrine. And yet we've, we've made it uh, incredibly complicated in the church. And the only reason income things are complicated is wrong. It, the gospel is so simple. And the more you understand redemption, the more you understand how, what Jesus did and why he did it. It's, it's like all the fog continues to, to dissipate and everything becomes so clear. When they make these things so complicated, like 1 John is not written to the church, that's complicated. Well, why is it in the Bible? Why did God, who, who had a vested interest in determining which books made it into the final Bible, why didn't God stop that? You know, I mean, could he have, should he have? Well, sure he had, because we have to depend on this. This is all we have, right? We don't, we don't have, we don't have uh, you know, text messages and emails from heaven. This is what we have, right? This is our book. This is our, our instruction manual. Uh, and so uh, when I hear all these things, they're complicated, right? They're, they're, they get difficult, and, and the doctrine can only be understood by Ph.D. type of people. And, and if, if, that, if you have to have a Ph.D. to understand doctrine, it's already wrong. It's there's, there's not even close to being right. It's way too complicated. Uh, and so, uh, you know, these, these, things are, these things are not difficult, right? Uh, so, let's, so we can go back to, the, to Philippians chapter 2 then. So I don't know how Epaphroditus got, off, got us off on this uh, tangent here, but um, uh, that's all right. So Epaphroditus, well, we were talking about the guilty. That's how we got on it, because he was guilty, right? So he, his guilt, whatever he did, right? So, so he, he was extended mercy. So... It was one of two things, but I, what I believe it is, if you look down at the verse 30, it says, because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. So the impression I get, and I think it's pretty clear from reading that verse, that he overworked himself, right? He worked himself beyond what he should have, right? The Lord would have said, hey, that's enough, you know, but this has to get done. You know, it doesn't have to get done. You know, uh, and I've told you just around here, I, there's a thousand things I could do every day, right? Just every day, you know, from just advertising and just, you know, writing books and just, you know, just, I mean, there's a thousand things I could do, right? I could be doing things in the sound system. I could be doing things just everywhere. And I just, you know, I'm not going to do that. You know, don't they need to get done? Well, maybe. I mean, it's not a moral question. It's just, you know, it would like nice to have things done. Uh, but... And I'm not trying to pressure anybody. Well, you know, is he trying to pressure me? I'm not trying to pressure. I'm just telling you, you know, it's just normal, normal day, right? Don't you have a thousand things to do? You know, when I, my, last, my last corporate job, it just, it, the workload was just, just, just unbelievable, right? I mean, I could have worked there 100 hours a week uh, and still not get everything done. And I just had to get it settled in my heart. It'll be there tomorrow. What if it doesn't get done? It'll be there tomorrow. You know, I mean... Because I could work 24 hours a day and then, and then end up being Epaphroditus, right? Uh, work yourself beyond a reasonable number. Well, what's that number? There's no number. It's whatever works in your heart, right? Remember, we went through John chapter 4 about how Jesus said that my meat is to do the will of my Father. My sustenance, my strength is to do what my Father wants me to do. If I do what my Father wants me to do, I'm always strong. 
And that was, he said that after he had stopped to rest because he was wearied. And so he got strengthened, not by eating meat and not by, by getting more food, but by doing the will of the Father. And so oftentimes, you know, the Lord will sustain you physically if, if it's just got to get done and there's nobody else that's, that can do it and, and you're, you have to do it. Well, then the Lord will, have, will, over, will, will, will help you, right? The grace of God will kick in. You will be able to get that done. But you have to know, is this the will of God for me to do this? Is it the will of God for me to work 100 hours or 200 hours, whatever the number is, right? Is it the will of God for me to do these things? So uh, clearly it was not the will of God for Epaphroditus to do this because he said God had mercy on him. So, you know, sometimes we become foolish and I can do it, you know, I can do it. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, you know, people think, well, you know, I'm, I'm not young like, young like I used to be, I can't do that. You know, I just, I just, I don't like to say things like that. I just don't like to talk that way because if my natural force is never abated, then when would I get too old to do something, right? I may just not want to do it, right? That's fine. But I, I'm just going to guard my confession, right? I'm not going to be, well, I'm old now. We can't do that, you know? Uh, and so, uh, you know, I say this. I have kids so they can do those things, right? I called Jared from the second floor. Jared, come down here and hand me the remote, right? Because, you know, come all the way down the stairs and, you know, the remote's way over there on a the coffee table. Come down here and, and hand it to me, right? You know, that's, you know, so uh, it's not because I couldn't do it because that's why I have kids, right? So he can hand me the remote. Uh, and so it used to be that you had kids so they could get up and turn the channel, right? Because before you had to get up and actually walk all the way across the living room to turn the channel to the three channels, right? Uh, and, and anybody remember those days, right? Uh, and then they had the giant, remember the big giant remote controls that were actually, they, they were, they were uh, audio, right? So you push a button and, and you could hear it. It was an audio signal when it wasn't an infrared like it is now, you know. Anybody care about that? It, anyway, the, I'm an engineer. I care about things like that. I don't care about them, but they, they interest me anyway. So, uh, but anyway, so, um, so is, the, is there a law, right? And one of the things, if you could learn this concept about not making laws in your life, people make laws all the time. I'm, I don't work more than 40 hours. What if the Lord needed you to work 41 hours? What if the Lord needed you to be there? What if the Lord needed you to be the guy, right? I don't work more than 40 hours. Okay, then you made a law. Is there any book, chapter, and verse for that? No, so you've made a law. And what you've said is, Lord, this is my boundary. Do not cross this boundary. This is my boundary. You don't tell me to work more than 40 hours. This is it. Uh, and people make laws like that all the time. You know, I don't trust anybody. Well, what if the Lord says, I need you to trust that guy to, to help you out? No, I don't trust anybody. Well, then you've told the Lord, this is my box. You can't come in my box. I know you're my Lord, but I am also my Lord in this area. You know, I'm a little Lord over here. You, Lord, you're big Lord, but you can't be Lord in this. This is my sandbox. Don't come here. So when you make a law, you're basically telling the Lord, I'm the Lord of this law. You don't cross this law, you don't cross this, this uh, law right here, Lord. This is my law. I don't work more than 40. I don't trust people. I don't lend people money. I, don't, I sure don't lend family members money. When people say things like that, right? I'll never help anybody ever again. You know, I was, I was thinking about that just today, you know, uh, about, um, and Chris told me I had to, had to adjust my, have to adjust my, my confession here, and so I'm going to see if I can do this without, without getting in trouble for my wife. Uh, because, you know, I have said historically, well, nobody, nobody we've helped comes to the church here, right? Which is technically true, but if I'm not careful, that becomes then a point of contention in my heart, right? So I don't want it to be a contention in my heart. Uh, and so, but I mean, technically it's true, right? Uh, but the thing that, the thing that uh, 
I'm going to always guard my heart is I'm never going to let that define me. Uh, in the way that the, the Lord was, was just dealing with me about that today, he said, uh, my faithfulness to the Lord will, will not be diminished by somebody else's lack of faithfulness. See, so they, they say, yeah, I'm going to come. Because they all, everyone say, yeah, I've been looking for a church for a thousand years, right? <laughs> you haven't found one yet. You've never been to my church. You know, you obviously haven't been looking too hard because literally everybody in town drives by our church, right? But I can't tell you how many people drove by here and stopped and said, I didn't know this was a church. You mean the giant sign didn't give you a clue, right? I mean, it's like we got the biggest sign right up in the world, right? And the, the side, billboard, I mean, the side of the, the building. I mean, you can see that from Chattanooga, right? And uh, I didn't know there's a church. And, and so... Uh, but I'm not going to let somebody else's uh, lack of faithfulness to limit my faithfulness. Amen? So I'm going to always be faithful. Because if I say, I'm never helping anybody else again, then you know what I've told the Lord? Don't tell me to help anybody else. I've made a law, right? This is my law. I don't help people. I don't, I don't loan people money. I don't do uh, You mean you loan people money? Well, if the Lord says to, yeah. If he says not to, you know what? No. And, you know, very often he says no. You don't feel bad? Not even a little. I, you mean you just tell him no? Yeah. If the Lord says no, then the answer is no. Well, why not? I don't know. You know, I told you the, the lady came and asked money to, to go to her mother's funeral. I said no. Oh, you look at you. You're a terrible, horrible person. Look at you. You won't let her help her get to her mother's funeral. Well, the next week I asked her how her mom was doing. She said she's doing fine. So... Either we had a major miracle, which is amazing, right? Their mother was raised from the dead, or she lied. Well, what'd she do? She lied, right? She lied the week before, right? And so, but did I know she was lying? I didn't know. The Lord knew she was lying, so don't help her. Oh, you're a horrible person. See, that's the wonderful thing about being led by the Spirit of God, because I don't have a horse in a race. If the Lord says no, then it's no. Well, why not? I don't have to know why not. I don't have to know she's lying. But the Lord, the next week when she came in, the Lord said, ask her how her mother's doing. Okay. <laughs> And then, of course, she's, you know, people try to recover. They can't just say, yeah, I lied. You know, they just, they won't just own it, right? No, uh, she's fine. Well, you told me she lied. Yeah, well, she's fine. Yeah, but you told me she lied. Well, my sister told me. That's what she said, right? And I'm thinking, and I, and I said, you mean your sister told you your mother lied, and you didn't bother checking to see if that was so? <laughs> you know, I, she died, I guess. You know, wow, that's, that's terrible. Hey, what are you doing for lunch? I mean, you know, it's just like, uh, just really callous, I guess. I don't know, but, uh, uh, and so, Laws don't make laws. I had a friend of mine whose wife loved breakfast food. Right? She loved breakfast food for breakfast. She loved breakfast food for lunch. She loved breakfast food for dinner. She loved going to IHOP, right? And breakfast places like that. Her husband, I don't eat breakfast food for dinner. I mean, why is that a thing? Does anybody have that law? That law in their life? I don't eat bacon after four o'clock. Is that a rule? Is there a book, chapter, and verse for that? What's that? Stupid rule, right? Have you ever had bacon? You eat it all the time, right? If you ever had bacon, uh, you know, I'm not trying to make any vegetarians backsliders, but, you know, just get a slice of, you know, it's got to be Oscar Mayer bacon, but if you get a slice of Oscar Mayer, you'll never be a vegetarian the rest of your life, right? I don't care if you're vegetarian, none of my business, but, uh, but see, he made a law. And so he made a law, said, Lord, uh, don't tell me to bless my wife by, by uh, taking her to where she wants to go eat. That's my law. Don't, don't make me cross that law. And so we make laws all the time, all the time. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't do these things. You know, I've gotten to where I just never say I don't, I don't do things because as soon as I say I don't do that, unless it's sin, of course, right? You know, that's, that's fine to have a law because you're lined up with the law of God, right? There's New Testament law. Uh, but, you know, if it's just things like that, I don't do that. 
I don't ever say that. I just I, I have removed that from my vocabulary because if I do that, then I put a limit on God somewhere in my life. Oh, Lord, I don't, eat, I don't eat that. Lord, I don't work up to 5 o'clock. Lord, I don't work more than six days a week. Lord, I don't, you know, I don't mow my yard on Sundays. I, don't, I mean, just laws, all, law, 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 law. And we don't even live under the law. We live under grace, right? So if we, don't live, if we live under grace, then any time the Lord needs us, we have the capacity to do it. But if we put a limit on God, I don't do this, then, then God is limited. Then he has to go find somebody. Well, I, they're the right ones, but they won't do it, so I just got to go find somebody else that may be not as qualified or may not do it as, as well as I'd like them to do it, but they've already told me they won't do it. You know, we want to be meat for the master's use, right? Available for the master to use us. If we say, I, I don't clean toilets, you know, I don't do this, I don't, you know, I mean, uh, I told you we, we uh, were helping with uh, Benny Hen's crusade one time when he came to, to Nashville. He asked some of the local churches to help out uh, in the in the in ushering, you know, and doing things like that, and in helps ministry. So we uh, we had uh, some people in our church were actually uh, I don't they weren't paid people, but they were on the inside, right? They were in the inner loop of, of Benny Head's ministry, right? Because they would get the phone call, hey, he's coming to whatever, you know, you get volunteers and bring him, right? And so they were on the inside, right? And so so we get to be on the inside. Well, that's not super glamorous because if you're just working like a dog, I mean, you work, they work it, right? And so uh, me and a friend of mine. Our job, the first job, was uh, we had to go up in the in the the high part of the of the. Um, it was in a coliseum, right? And so uh, they wanted everybody to sit down low. And so the way they would do that is they would put up these barriers, right? These big black tarp barriers up in the upper seats, so people wouldn't sit up there, right? So kind of because if you're sitting behind the tarp, you can't really see anything because it's a tarp, right? And so uh, so they would put those tarps up there, and they're hot and it's heavy, and you know you're putting these things up, and then. As it, as it fills up, you move the tarps back up far, farther so they, you know, it fills up from front to back. You know, they don't want it, you know. Uh, in fact, when I was at Pastor Anderson's church, uh, he had a rope uh, on the back, back row of the, of the sanctuary. <laughs> you know, I mean, we should do that. Put a rope on the back row of the sanctuary, right? <laughs> then then you know, where would we sit? <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, but that was our job, right? Well, it was hot, you know, but finally it got to an end. And so then they, they sent us to, uh, to the counting room. So we were in the counting room. And, and uh, if you've never been in a thing like that, I don't tell how much money they brought in. I mean, you got 20,000 people all just, you know, Piling, you just they bring in the, the money by the basket like a basket fulls right just a basket and they dump it on the table and you had to sort it all out right and so so we're you know and you got to go as fast as you can because they're bringing in buckets like crazy you know there's probably i mean hundred two hundred thousand dollars and i don't know how much it is but it, I'm, I, I imagine it's hundreds of thousands of dollars so you're moving as fast as you can because you got checks and everything and separate everything out well the, the one lady we she wouldn't even move it right every now and then we see her just do this right here and the rest of us are just as fast as you can right and we realized she's only pulling out the $100 bills. <laughs> so she's too good for the 50s and the 20s and the 10s and the 5s and the 1s, right? And so she's, you know, the rest of us is, you know, fast as we can go. She's like, I'll do that one. I'm not doing that one over there. I'll, I'll do that one over there. You know, and so, uh, so she's already made a law. I don't do 20s. You know, 20s are not for me, right? Only 100s for me, right? God only loves $100 bills. Uh, is that a law? <laughs> There's no law, right? And so, uh, but it, it is amazing if you just, if you'll meditate on this, 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 uh, this idea about not making laws, you'll realize I make laws every day. Uh, every day, right? I don't do this, I don't do that, you know. Uh, and, you know, some things are just personal preferences, like, you know, 
I don't eat, eat cooked broccoli, right? I mean, I hear rumors that people do stuff like that, right? But, you know, I don't do it because I just don't like it, right? It's not like a law. I don't eat vegetables. The rumor has it in the church, you know, because several of you tell me about it. Oh, you don't eat vegetables. I love vegetables. I eat lots of vegetables. I just certain things I don't eat, right? But you don't eat vegetables. I eat plenty of it. And look, you're not offending me. I don't care. But you're all wrong. Every one of you are wrong. I eat plenty of vegetables, right? Because uh, I don't have a law. Well, I don't eat vegetables. Uh, and, and so uh, how many laws do you make, right, that are not book, chapter, and verse laws, right, that are constraining God's ability to use you in this life, right? If you say, I don't, I don't loan people money or I don't give people money, I don't do the things like that, um, well, then why is the Lord going to give you money? You know, why? You know people, people think sometimes that because I give them money and they, uh, they feel like they've snookered me, that they got one over on me. They never get one over on me. If the Lord tells me to give somebody money and they never repay it, you know, you know how many people have repaid money that the church has, has lent to them in the history of the church? Zero. Zero. So you're never going to lend anybody money? If the Lord tells me to lend somebody, I don't care, right? No, no problem at all, right? I'm not mad at anybody, but I'm not going to make a law. Well, nobody ever pays it back, so I'm not going to help anybody. Well, then why is the Lord giving us money? You know, because I already write it off in my heart. You know, it's always a, a write-off in my heart, Lord. You know, let him, you know, let him be blessed. But because um, um, I'm not going to let their unfaithfulness limit my faithfulness. Because I'm going to be faithful to do what the Lord wants me to do. Amen? And, and I'm not going to be limited by somebody else's unfaithfulness. Uh, because cause if their unfaithfulness causes me to make a law, then I've become just as unfaithful as they, they are, right? Because now I'm unfaithful to the Lord. They're unfaithful to their word, but I've become unfaithful to the Lord because if he says, do that, and I said, I don't do that, Lord, now I'm unfaithful. Uh, and so uh, don't limit the Lord. You know, in the Old Testament, it says they limited the God of Israel. Well, how do they limit the, the God of Israel? We don't do that. Lord, uh, don't ask us to do that, right? Um, in fact, I, I was reading, I was reading in, in, um, um, in Joshua over there, the people who came to Joshua and said, you know, we've always, we've always kept the law. Like, who are you? You're, you know, have you not ever read anything ever, right? Uh, of course, I know that they didn't have the Old Testament, but uh, they never kept the law. They're, they're a bunch of backslidden buzzards for the most part, right? But, uh, uh, but yeah, they, kept, they, they, they said they kept the law, right? So, so uh, the, the good thing about Epaphroditus, though, is God had mercy on him, right? So God, even though he was in guilt by going above and beyond, and no doubt, I can guarantee 100%, the Spirit of God said, Epaphroditus, that's, that's enough, right? That's, you can't do everything. You can't, because uh, he says that he, verse 30, that he uh, made up the supply, to, he supplied your lack, your entire church's lack of service unto me, right? So Epaphroditus was trying to replace the, the work of an entire church on behalf of Paul. Well, that'd be really hard, right? I mean, I don't know what, what, the, what, the, what the particular service was. It could have been earning some money for Paul to, to, for the next part of his journey, or you know, who knows what, it, what the service itself was. But whatever it was, Epaphroditus was trying to replace by himself what the work of an entire other church should do. And no doubt the Spirit of God said, you know, you can only go so far, right? Well, then, then it, won't, it won't be everything we need. Well, then it'll be enough. Right, the Lord is—it'll always be enough. Right, we'll do as far as we go. We go as far as we should go, and then then we just we end right there. If the Spirit of God says that's as far as you go, then you go. Well, no, I got to do it. I got to do it. Well, what did he do? He made a law. I have to do this. 
don't tell me not to do this, Lord. And he got out beyond where he should have. The problem was he made a law. The Spirit of God was no longer able to to direct him to stop or to rest or to do whatever. And and he got uh, he got physically sick to the point of death. He said he's nigh unto death, nearly nearly died. Right Uh, now. Uh, how many times do people make a law? I'm never doing that again. Well, what if the Lord needs you to actually do that next week? Then you're not the man or the woman, right? Then you're not the one that God can call on. Don't make a law. I'm never, I'm never helping him like that again. People make laws like that all the time. All the time. All the time. You know, and you just come to meditate on that because it's been a great blessing to me to, I just don't make a law. No laws. No laws for me. The only law I've got is law of love, right? The Lord says to help them. What if I know they're, they're, I mean, you know, I can't tell you how many times that I've helped people in the church, right? People come by here all the time. And I know they're just lying, absolutely lying, 100% lying. Well, I'm not, I don't help liars, really. I mean, everybody that's not a Christian is a liar, so that means you don't help nobody. I mean, you know, uh, who, who's, who's perfect in these things, right? Uh, and so, uh, what if I said, I need you to help them anyway, to show them that I love them anyway. I love them in spite of their lying. Uh, and so, uh, but again, people make other laws. I always help everybody. Because, you know, the Bible says, help, help everyone in need. Well, then, then if you turn that into a law, you'll never listen to the Spirit of God. Because didn't some people come to Jesus and say, come down and, and pray, for my, pray for my son? Right? Remember the... the uh, uh, the, the leader of the synagogue, come down and pray for my son, Lord. Jesus, I'm not doing that. I thought you got to help everybody. I, I am helping them. I'm doing what the Spirit of God said to do, right? Because sometimes you help people by telling them no. Uh, and so, you know, how you help them is between the Spirit of God and you. Not, they don't dictate how you help them. The Spirit of God dictates how you help them, right? And legalistic people say, I've gotta, if they ask for a million dollars, I've got to give them a million dollars. No. If the Spirit of God says the way you help them is you tell them no, then I've helped them, right? I've done the, I've done the law. People, see, people want to turn it into a natural law that I don't check with heaven to find out if I'm supposed to help them, right? And, and I know we're about out of time, but let's turn over to one of my favorite stories in, in Joshua uh, chapter 9. Uh, and so Joshua, they just uh, destroyed um, Jericho, right? So the fame of the Israelites is just running through the promised land, right? Wow, these people just whipped the whole city of Jericho without even blinking. Uh, and so uh, the, the Lord had given Jer- uh, uh, Joshua a list, all these ites, you know, the, Hitt- the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites, all these ites, got to get rid of them all, kill them, right? And so uh, you got right here in, um, um, in verse 3, it says, And when the inhabitants of Gibeon, so they were the Gibeonites, right? They're on a list. Heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai. Uh, they did work wily. In other words, craftily, right? Sneakily. And went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles old and rent and bound up, and old shoes, and clouded upon their feet, and old garments upon them, 
and the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua unto the camp of Gilgal and said unto him and to the men of Israel, we be come from a far country. Was that true? A lie like a dog, right? They're just all right, right next door. You know, these people, you know, we're here in Dayton. They're probably from, from Morgantown, right? Uh, and so we be, far, we be from a far country. Now, therefore, make ye a league or a, or a covenant with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure ye dwell among us? How shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are ye? And whence come ye? And they said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord thy God. We have heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt. So now, you know, they're buttering up the children of Israel. Your God is such a big God. Oh, you're right. We serve the best God ever. And see, if, if you are susceptible to, to flattery, you've already lost the, the deal, right? If you can be buttered up, you know, you're in big trouble, right? You know, when, when people start buttering me up, it's just blah, blah, blah. I just let, it goes right on by. You know, oh, you're the best pastor in the world. I already know that. You know, you have to tell me that, right? Uh, but if people start, oh, you're the best teacher, you're the best, right, by, right on by, right, right on by. Uh, because otherwise you get stuck like right here, right? The Lord your God, and, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, which was at Astaroth. Wherefore, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals or food with you unto the journey and go meet them. And say unto them, We are your servants. Therefore, make a league or a covenant or a peace treaty with us. This is our bread that we took hot for our provision out of our houses on the day we came forth to go unto you, but now, behold, it is dry and it is moldy. That ain't true. They just, hey, you got any old bread? We need that old bread, you know. Uh, they just took it there just let, right next door, right? And these bottles of wine, which we filled, were new, not true. And behold, they be rent. And these, our garments and our shoes, become old by reason of the, of the very long journey from uh, Morgantown, right? Uh, and the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. Verse 14 is the saddest verse of all. That they took not counsel of the mouth of the Lord. Lord, is this so? Do you want me to help these people? We've got to help them. If they brag on Jehovah, we've got to help them. Law, right? They made a law. Don't even ask of, of, of the counsel of the Lord. And verse 15, and Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them and to let them live and the princes of the congregation swear unto them so you should read the rest of the chapter because he, they found out you mean you've been lying to us we got to kill you and joshua like we can't kill him we made it we made it a covenant with him right and so it said you're going to be hewers of wood and, and uh, carriers of water forever and they were the, the gibeonites all through the old testament right you go through all of joshua all of judges uh all of uh, first samuel all of second samuel you get to second samuel uh and um all the way up to chapter 21 at this after Saul had died, right? So you went through all the judges, what, through 25 judges or so? I, I, I don't know the number right offhand, but a lot of the judges, right? And then King Saul, and then finally David, and there's a famine in the land. And David goes to the Lord and says, what's up? There's a famine in the land because Saul killed some of these Gibeonites. These guys right here, that they made a co contract covenant with, with Joshua, Saul said, I don't want these heathens in my, in my land, kill them. And he did. Uh, and so the Lord's like, you made a contract with them. doesn't matter that it was wrong. You made a contract with them. 
And so you have to be a man of your word, right? Swear to your own heart and change not. And so the, David had to go to the Gibeonites and say, what do you want? Well, we want some of Saul's children and we're going to kill them. And that was the deal. And they did. And the, the, the famine ended. Uh, and so, uh, but when you see, when you make a law, I've got to help people. See, then you're going to end up, because could you actually help everybody? The Bible says help all those in need. Could you literally help everybody? I mean, if every single person just in Dayton came by and said, I need $10, could we actually do that? Could we do that as a church? Do we have the funds to do that? We don't have, we literally don't have the funds to do that, right? Now, well, the Lord will provide. Well, you know, he will if I'm following his will. But if I'm being like Epaphroditus, I have to do it. We'll just run the church in the ground, right? So the nice thing is I have to help everybody the way the Lord tells me to help them. That's really easy, right? That's easy. Because if the Lord says no, then I help them, right? See, I helped that one lady by telling her no. Uh, and so, so let's not be like Epaphroditus and, get a, and make a law. I have to do it. Because if the Lord said, no, you've got to stop. You need rest. You're, you're physically not able to. And, and I don't want you to do it. Because sometimes, you know, it's in whatever the will of God is, is the will of God. If he doesn't want you to, to do that much work, well, why not? I don't know. It don't matter. It doesn't matter. He's my Lord, right? Is he your Lord? If the Lord says that's enough, then is that enough? Well, it's not enough according to them. They're not the measurement. God's the measurement, right? Whatever the Lord says to do, that's fine. Amen. Uh, And so, uh, so, but I would encourage you to meditate on that, right? And ask yourself, how many laws have I made? You know, I don't don't fix breakfast for, for supper. We call it night breakfast. We love night breakfast. Don't we love night breakfast, Jared? We love night breakfast. Pancakes, waffles, bacon, you know, eggs, whatever it is, you know. Uh, we love night breakfast. Mom said, we're, we're having night breakfast. Oh, we love night breakfast, you know. Uh, and so, now we don't like breakfast like tacos, you know. I mean, you know, I guess people eat stuff like that, you know. But we don't eat, we don't eat tacos for breakfast. That's wrong. That's unlike a lot of me, right? Uh, and so, I'm sure some people do. It would be weird, but, you know, if you want to do it, it's fine, right? I don't have a law, but it's still weird. I'm going to talk about you, but um, so... Uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you that, that uh, you, you want us to make no law other than your word and the law of love. And, Father, if we'll live in that, then, then we will never exceed our abilities, Father, to do what you want us to do. If you want to give us supernatural strength to accomplish a task, Father, then we will. If you want to give us supernatural finances, Father, to accomplish a task, Father, then we will. We will never allow somebody else's unfaithfulness to limit our faithfulness. And so, Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness and mercy in these things. And we give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the best place to be is to live in the grace of God. If you always live in the grace of God, you always are fully able to do everything the Lord wants you to do. Amen. If you get over in a mercy, you might end up sick. Now, how long did it take Epaphroditus to recover from his sickness? We don't know. He could have been out of commission for days, weeks, months, or years, right? We don't know. And so how much helpful... Is he to the Lord if he's broken down, right? Uh, if he's not well, he's not of any help to the Lord if he's not well, amen? But then people make laws, you know, I have, I have to take a, at least six weeks of vacation a year. Uh, it's just really weird, right? Well, come ahead, Mr. Jerry, receive the offering. In fact, you know, just coming back here today, I drove from, from Florida here today, you know, it's supposed to be a six and a half hour drive by the time you get Atlanta and, and cookies and milk and whatever. It, it's about an eight hour drive, right? And so, uh, but I had multiple people say, uh, you're driving that far uh, and then preach tonight? That's the deal. I mean, that's the deal, right? Because I felt like I needed to be in those services down in Florida. So if I need to be in those services down in Florida, then I need to be here at my church on Wednesday. So that's the deal. 
don't, do I expect the grace of God to be there? Yeah, if, if, if he wants me to go down there, then I expect the grace of God for, to be there to drive down there and drive back. Amen? Uh, and, and that's the deal. I, I'm not going to confess, oh, it's going to be so hard. So, it's going to be so, so tiring that I made a law. Then I, I am unable to do what the Lord needs me to do. I, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not, my confession will always be, yes, Lord. That's my confession. Amen? Well, be blessed. We'll see you all on uh, Sunday. Don't forget we have Ladies Fellowship, right? Uh, Saturday at 11, 11 a.m., bring finger foods. And so uh, be blessed, and we'll see you all on Sunday.